0: This week on The Book Drop, we share some of the best and worst seasonal jokes, explore the world of horror graphic novels and comics, and talk about favorite fall traditions for Query of the Week. This is The Book Drop. Hello, and welcome to the Book Drop, Omaha Public Library's podcast about books, our community, and the joy of reading. I'm Erin Dewar, the Readers and Writers Librarian for OPL, and I am at our Benson branch.
1: Hi, I'm Michelle Carlson at the W.
2: Clark Swanson branch, and I am the Book Club Librarian for OPL. Hey, this is Anna Wilcoxon. I am downtown, and I work as the Diversity and Inclusion Librarian for OPL.
1: Um, so there are still uh, some events that we've talked about previously. They are still on the calendar. So be sure to check out omahalibrary.org for all of our events. But for today, I wanted to talk to you specifically about book clubs. Um, for one, the Book Drop book club is coming back next month. Uh, we'll be reading Black Candle Woman. Um, so be sure to pick up a copy if you would like to join us for that. And then also just come, um to any of our book clubs. We have 20 across the system. Um, 16 of them are the the uh, classic type of book club where they have a shared title that they discuss. We have two What Are You Reading book clubs where you just come and discuss a uh, kind of book talk like we do here on the podcast about whatever book that you've been reading uh, recently that you would like to share with others. And then we have two that are themed. So there's Genre Land and Mood Readers. And they each month they choose a different type of theme or topic um, and find books within that theme and topic or genre to then bring to the discussion. Um, But again, not a shared title necessarily. So there's lots of different options. Um, OPL book clubs are welcome and open to everybody. So even if it's your first time, um, that's okay. It's never too late to join one of our, our programs. So be sure to check out the, events
0: calendar online. One of my favorite things is seeing members of OPL book clubs like out in the wild at other programs or events or like seeing that they like go to other things together. I know one of our book clubs is about to read or is reading um, Killers of the Flower Moon. So they're going to go see the movie together. And I was like, that is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Um, so so nice. if you want to make some bookish friends, find a book club. You might make some life some friends outside of the library as well. So,
2: Awesome. Love that. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: so we have our – it's spooky season, right? So we were wanting to share our favorite Halloween jokes. And let me tell you, I found some stinkers. <laughs> And I'm excited to share. They're so silly, but they're also fun. Um, I should, like, so uh, what do you guys call a cleaning skeleton? I I have no
1: idea. I don't know. What do you call a cleaning skeleton? The
2: Grim Sweeper.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs)
2: Talking about the Grim Reaper last week, and yeah. just like how, like he's not. I was just picturing like this is a way to kind of rebrand the Grim yeah. Reaper as like just like uh, he's just just a guy doing his job, uh, and sometimes that involves sweeping. <laughs> I love Do you guys it. have some other uh, sure. great spooky jokes to share? Okay, um,
1: why don't monsters eat
0: ghosts? Mm. I know what this one is. I think. Oh,
2: yeah, that's yeah, the one I sent you.
0: Cause they taste like sheet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it's said like in a little kid voice, so it sounds even
1: more It's It's so funny. There's a little animation, Anna. Okay,
0: let me find it. Cute. This stuff brings me so much it joy. Oh, it's so stupid.
1: This... Yes.
0: <laughs> spider muttern is ghost.
1: I don't know why. They taste like she
2: I love it so much. <laughs> just so
0: emphatic. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um a lot of the ones that I saved were things someone I just found like a whole like slideshow of them on Instagram of so these are like delivered in text essentially or in text form. So maybe they don't land as well, but I will try to do my best to deliver them. So okay. the setting. Dracula giving his son. Quote unquote, the talk. Dracula says, You see, when two monsters love each other very much, they, and then Dracula's son says, They do the mash. And Dracula says, nodding, Yes, <laughs> they do the monster mash. <laughs> <laughs> love
2: it. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more I could do, but it's not okay. Well, it's also silly. And I just, it stuck out to me because we, uh, so the, the question is, how many cannibals does it take to change a light bulb? And we've just discussed cannibalism <laughs> so much on the podcast. I wanted to have a cannibal no How many joke. cannibals? Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. I don't know. How I many cannibals know. does it take?
2: Well, I don't know either, but you really shouldn't be in the dark with a cannibal, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> oh, wow. Great
1: point. Great point.
0: <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Um, okay. Another one that's like a, a script, basically. Teacher says, Welcome to witch school, the only place where you're allowed to curse. Ha ha. Kid says, Hell yeah, mother. Then starts, <laughs> and then the teacher says, Not like that. <laughs> I need you to imagine me just like laying in bed at night reading these and like, just, like giggling gaffling. to myself. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, I have one. It's not exactly a um, spooky, but kind of, because it's bones. Yeah. Uh, But, and it's more of like a headline uh, type of humor. So, a clumsy paleontologist walked on stage with a dinosaur skull. What happened next is jaw dropping. I saw that one somewhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Uh. Okay. This is maybe my last one. This is obscure. Okay. This looks like, uh, you know, the corner of the internet that is Tumblr posts and just amazing things that come out Mm -hmm. of Tumblr posts and replies. So this is just a, a thread. I hate the fact that the sentence mummies are rare because – we this is not a joke. It's just an actual fact. I hate the fact that the mummies – the fact that the sentence mummies are rare because we ate them is factual. And someone goes, I'm sorry, what? And it says, oh, I am so happy to be the one to introduce you to the horrible few hundred years where Europeans regularly consumed ground your Egyptian mummies, which is seemingly true, but –
2: No way. I don't know. We need to go fact check it. But I've seen that more than once.
1: Yeah. Uh, because you brought up mummies so again it's a visual joke and I don't know how to like (laughs) but are you enjoying this listeners is
2: this
0: fun for you (laughs) (laughs) because we're having a great time
1: and so it's like this like comedy skit right I'm like okay what are we doing here so uh the woman is at like a um a returns counter and it's a mummy um, and the mummy has brought items and is returning them and doing the exchange and whatnot with the person and then when it's all done they're like okay here's that receipt back for you and like the mummy goes to leave and then it does like the pop of the credits and it's the mummy returns oh my god <laughs> um, the, like title card <laughs> for the movie the mummy returns It killed me. I
0: was like, "Oh no!" It's so funny. Okay. Um, I was gonna say I might have one. I'm trying to think if I can find a good one to end on. (laughs) So stupid. Can't
2: wait. Who did the
0: ghost take on a date? Oh, his 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 (laughs) girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) dun (gasps) dun. Yeah. That is. Amazing. The book drop comedy minute. <laughs> well, if you didn't know, today we are talking about uh, more spooky season things. We're specifically talking about horror, graphic novels, and comics. Um, so I am lucky enough to get to kick us off. Uh, my first book is – or graphic novel is The Keeper by Tanana reeve illustrated by Marco Finnegan. So this – The main character of this story is Aisha. She is a young, I think like tween girl whose parents are killed in a car accident. And she is sent to live with her grandmother who lives like in a rundown area of Detroit. So her grandmother is in not great health. She's like kind of infirm. So she ends up kind of taking care of her grandmother. Um, But Aisha starts to kind of get to know some other kids in the building. And she starts exploring. There's this abandoned apartment on the top floor that nobody lives in. And she's told not to go up there because there was a family that died and the bodies were left there for a good while. And not only were their bodies, so like kids believe it's kind of haunted, but not only were their bodies, but there was a baby of this family who actually survived on their own in this abandoned apartment for like a couple weeks by itself. And so she learns about the story of something called the keeper, which is this like mystical, mystical, mm, dark kind of presence, but maybe the keeper like protected this baby for a bit. So Aisha's grandmother gets sick and passes away. And because Aisha doesn't really have any other family, her she's fearful of being put into foster care. And her grandmother had told her before, like, don't let yourself basically get sent anywhere else or taken away. Um, so Aisha doesn't tell anybody that her grandmother has passed. And she like, lives in the apartment with her grandmother's past body. And so she'll go to school. She'll take care of herself um, and she – but she'll come back from school and the apartment will be clean or she'll have, like, groceries in the fridge and it's like someone is taking care of her. So – and you soon learn that that is the keeper. But the keeper – the care of the keeper does not come – at, like, no cost, essentially. So other stuff start to happen. This is about, like, intergenerational trauma, like, family secrets and, like, passed down histories. You learn more about where the – maybe not where the keeper came from, but, like, the history of the keeper and this specific family. Um, So I – this is a pretty – I mean, this is – most of these are, like, one sitting reads. But I saw this really as, like, a – I actually think it might have started as a script uh, Tanana not Du is also like a movie producer um, and has written several novels. So I feel like I think I read that she maybe originally wrote it with her husband as a film treatment and then it didn't work out and became a graphic novel that they worked on. So I really see this as like a it could be that for sure. Um, and I didn't find it totally scary, but I feel like if you could put this into a film, it would probably scare me a little bit more. Um, And there is a movie with Jessica Chastain, I can't remember what it's called, that has something similar to this about these kids that are abandoned in this house and there's an entity that takes care of them and it is weird. It's got the guy from Game of Thrones um, as the dad. Anyway, uh, it's got that vibe. You really feel for Aisha and also these other kids um, that are living in the apartment in like foster care. The illustrations are like pretty muted. It's like full color, but kind of muted. It's not super bright. Um, and the, the keeper is, you know, thoroughly kind of terrifying. So, and I will just trigger warning. There's animal violence in there on the page. Well, the aftermath is on the page. So I'll tell you that. Um, I did read because this is like such a short little graphic novel that it would be like a great intro if you've – if you've never read horror graphic novels, this would be a great like entry point for you. I think I found
2: the movie. Is it called Mama? Yes, it's called Mama. Maybe. two little girls that disappeared in the woods on the day they're – yeah, we have it in the library. So I'll add it to our list. Yes. Sounds oh. creepy. This all sounds creepy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that is The Keeper, Tanana Reeve do and illustrated by Marco Finnegan. Michelle. Wow,
1: that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Guys, mm-hmm. I read a book about cannibalism. Uh, it's
2: having Get a there. I did it. I serious did. moment <laughs> well, it's like one of the top I, trends of this year i feel like yeah, yeah yeah and i think i
1: only ever want to read it in a graphic novel form which also sounds weird but in a way you can almost just look at the pictures versus having to picture it in your brain and oh. at least in this one like it's graphic there but it's not like fully there so i don't know like Whenever I hear you guys talk about your different books that have had it in it, I'm, I'm picturing them talking about the different noises that also come oh. with it. Because you're trying to get, like, the full, like, thing. That, so, you you get noises. You get scents. You get mm-hmm. – yeah. And so, and I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> um, and I do love um, – a graph or like a book with some humor and like the dark humor that also comes with like horror and stuff. Um, Cause that's definitely going to be part of my genre. So I am going to talk to you about eat the rich by Sarah Gailey. The artist was Pius Bach. Um You might recognize Sarah Gailey. She's uh pretty well known in the like psychological thriller wor- world. She's a Hugo award-winning and bestselling author of different speculative fiction and short stories and essays and stuff like that. Most recently, Just Like Home. So in this uh, comic series that has been uh, collected into, it's a like it was five parts collected into one volume, which we have um, available in our collection. Uh, our main character, Joey, is going to be spending the summer with her boyfriend, Aster, at their seemingly perfect home in Crestfall Bluffs. Um, she's, of course, very nervous, um, you know. The, the whole classism of it does she, she going to fit in? Um, are they going to accept her and all of that kind of stuff? Um, she gets there. Aster is really freaking out that he's really nervous also, which kind of makes her feel better. So she's like, okay, maybe we're on the same page here. We're a team. We're going into this together. Um, then the first night of this big party, there's some really weird stuff going on. And she's just like, I don't get it. What's happening here? Um, and then... <laughs> Uh, she she starts talking to some of the people that work there and they're like you're not supposed to talk to us and they're like well why not you work here why can't i just like be friends with you and they're all like do not talk to the help do not talk to them so um i guess like a mild spoiler because like again with almost like with picture books this this is a very quick read um of a graphic novel series so like just like a little bit of a spoiler in it um or especially again if you're not into cannibalism and just need a little content warning before you pick <laughs> it up, but you're like, kind of want to get into this genre, this subgenre too. Um, essentially, uh, Joey sees Aster's father kill and eat somebody. Uh, it was the retirement party of this housekeeper and they kill them and eat them. And apparently, come to find out, that's potentially part of what people sign up for when they come and work in Crestfall, fall, Crest, Crestfall Bluffs. Um, and so then what is Joey to do? Does she want to become a part of this community? Um, can she save these people? Do they want to be saved? Um, and is she herself going to be able to survive the summer um, in in Crestfall Bluffs? Uh disaster know what's going on and and all of that stuff um so essentially eat the rich is about class inequality and the systems that allow the wealthy to feed on vulnerable people um and gaily herself also says it's a feverish love letter to the soapy primetime dramas that uh she loves which it definitely feels a lot like that um you know there's some of those like even in um the artistry you kind of just see like the looks that people have with each other um and, and all those types of uh, kind of seedy moments, romantic moments, and and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking at something that kind of, it's a horror story, um, looking at corruption and greed <laughs> and those types of monstrosities that come along with that, um, you know, a little bit of a, a get out vibe, but more in the the wealthy zone versus just like, racism alone or well wealth and racism the intersection of that which I was what um some of get out was about but yeah that is ether rich
0: so good times I was gonna ask you if it had a get out vibe except yeah income equality instead of racism and yeah yeah okay yeah I put it on hold because I don't know it's, it's wild. I don't know, I yeah.
1: know. yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, literally, again, somebody does not have a lot of time for print. I was able to read it in one night. So breeze through it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Nice. I feel like everyone's read a cannibalism book except for me. I might not ever do it. Oh no, you haven't. I, I thought you did. No, oh. no, I've talked about it as being a trend, but like I okay. can't. Okay, I can't. I can't. I'm saying it. It's hard. I <laughs> Find yeah, a graphic I just, novel, I, Anna.
1: That'll make you yeah, feel maybe. Better. Maybe yeah.
2: <laughs> we'll make it more digestible. <laughs> I. Now you did it. <laughs> I feel like. i apologize you do bring up
0: a good point (laughs) michelle of like which i i'm not gonna like say this is actually the right way to read a graphic novel but like you by in the you can read a graphic novel and like pay attention to the images as much or as little as you want sometimes things Mm -hmm. are largely wordless so image is what you're looking at but like graphic novel like if you're Skipping over what I would feel like if you equated text to image, I can skip over a lot of image in a graphic novel and know what's happening, get the plot, and get all the details. But, like, I can't skip over necessarily, like, a page in the middle of, of, like, the action in a novel. And so you could, you know, skip over images of, like, the noises of cannibalism <laughs> or whatever yeah, you want. Right. Which I would say, like, that's probably not fully engaging or like appreciating the form, but I do think it's something that I find myself doing that like I'm like, Mm -hmm. I grab the information that I need for the story and then I kind of move on. But I just think it's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, the first
2: book I have is one of those books, Erin, that actually is like very much like art-based and not very Mm text-based at all, which works really well because you're kind of like well, so the book is, is Beautiful Darkness. It's by Fabian Bellman. And, well, the, the text, the, the story, whatever. And then the art is by a husband and wife team that go by the name Karasoit. Uh, they're all French people. Um, and this is just a super grim <laughs> little fairy tale. Uh, the first pages show like a very typical like prince and princess scene. The couple are discussing their future together, where they're going to live. And then like two pages later the reader doesn't quite know what happened, but something has happened. These, uh, the prince and princess are, they live with this colony of other like small kind of magical creatures, like elves and fairies and little like whimsical, um, not human entities that are small, very tiny little things. Um, So, a couple of pages later, the readers discover that this community of, of small fairy and elf people are actually making their home in and around the decaying corpse of a young girl in a forest. What? <laughs> really disturbing. <laughs> so the story unfolds primarily through the art with really sparse text. Um, the illustration style for their creatures is really like whimsical and intricate, very sweet, a really... Uh, plays against like the the bleakness of their of the story, the rest of their surroundings, including the dead young girl and the forest and all the animals that live in the forest. The animals are all like standard size creatures. The girl is like a standard size girl. Um, they're all rendered in a like very realistic style. So there's just an interesting contrast between like this kind of surreal, uh, fantastical world of like the little the little, the, the little uh, elf fairy people um, and then the other, the realistic style of the, the real world around them. So whatever catastrophe happened to this little, little society that has caused them to take up residence in a dead body. Uh, they're trying to reform a new society or their society where they're trying to like get, get, get back on their feet, get things back in order. Um, and you see all these little scenes of like greed and laziness and fear, all these like very human, um, problems get in the way. So they kind of start dropping like flies, like because of their, the error of their ways or, um, just kind of he- the, the dark sides of like human nature. So you see these illustrated in little panels throughout the book without right. a, a lot of explanation or context, but you just see their numbers diminish and pretty, uh, gruesome, gruesome little ways. So it's usually the, the result of conflict with either each other, or there's also some conflict with like the standard size wildlife that live in, in the forest. There are some acts of violence against animals in this that I had a hard time with. Um, and the ways that like, like so many different ways of people and animals mistreating each other, they can get kind of, it felt kind of relentless after a little while. And it's just like very straightforward brutality through a lot of it so the princess uh is like the main character and she's trying to hold like this society or community together the best she can she's not getting hardly any help the prince proves to be like totally worthless as a <laughs> as a as a partner in any sort of rebuilding efforts and by the end of the book she's kind of like questioning is this society worth saving and you know does she want to see it continue or watch it all kind of just burn to the ground and she like the picture you get of her at the beginning of the book versus what she kind of becomes at the end it's like the a very stark stark difference um you don't ever really find out what happens like the 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 corpse that these little things are living in isn't really explained there are some scenes later in the book where they find another standard sized human and his um they kind of live in his cabin for a bit with mixed results and it he might have something to do with this uh this dead body. He might not. I don't know. There's a lot that you can speculate as as a reader, which is kind of fun. Um so it just it also, it's also like, I don't know, like it was a really I don't know, it was it felt like kind of a weird mental game to read something that like um, was so brutal, but the imagery was generally so like, oh, this is so cute. Look at these little this little thing with wings flying around <laughs> and then like Oh, look, this is getting its head chopped off. That's nice. So it's just, like, really, I don't know. It's an interesting, like, mental exercise to kind of uh, go through. Uh, "This Beautiful Darkness by Fabi- Fabian Bellman with art by Kara Swate.
1: Yeah. You look at that cover and you're like, oh, cute. Like, that could almost be in the J fiction, the J graphic novels <laughs> or something. Like,
2: Yeah. It could not. Um, I don't. It was re- yeah. yeah. Or it should not. Yeah. Right. Um, right. That book, it was recommended to me by by Nicole, who has guested on the podcast a few times. Um, and she was like, yeah, it looks like, you know, very like sweet book. And mm-hmm. then she's like, oh, it's not. <laughs> it's not a sweet book at all. Uh, yes. But it does. I really the art is really nice. It's very pretty, um, but a brutal little story.
0: Wow. Nice. Um, my next one is The Man Who Came Down the Attic Stairs by Celine Loop. Uh, again, this is, this was a very quick read. And even though it was quick, I got to the end and I was like, what just happened? (laughs) What am I looking at? Um, which I'll talk about. So, uh, opens with like Emma and Thomas, they're a young couple, um, you can tell they're about to give birth to their first child and they're talking about buying this like beautiful country home. To me, it looks like it's in England. It just looks like a, a, like countryside little home. It also, I feel like it's not very explicit, but this feels like it's maybe like post-World War II era, just based on like style of clothes and stuff and some things that they talk about later. Um, So shortly before their, their child arrives, Thomas, the husband ventures into the attic that was previously dead bolted, and you're like, why is the attic bolted? And why did you buy a house so you haven't been in the attic? Um And he, when he returns down, he like is a little off, but it seems like almost immediately like Emma goes into labor. So you kind of like forget about that stuff. Um When Rosalind their baby comes home, Emma's just thrown into this like kind of cycle of motherhood and Rosalind is – crying but not only like crying but like screaming constantly so like Rosalind is not sleeping Emma's not sleeping based on the time that I believe this takes place in Thomas is not a huge help as a as a partner and parent um and so Emma the mom starts to unravel because she is not sleeping basically and leads to um a public altercation that sends her to a psychiatrist's office. So this plays with like um, flashbacks and chronology a little bit, which I feel like is and kind of intentionally like I think was disorienting to me. You're like, what is happening? Where am I? What order are we happening in? Um, so she's visiting this psychiatrist and talking about having a baby and going on and things are revealed like during these visits to this doctor. Um, and you learn that, obviously something is in the attic um I, I you would get this anyway but just reading the author's description that like this is a meditation basically on postpartum depression and motherhood and the author wrote it not being a mother but thinking a lot about motherhood and whether or not they wanted to be a mother and this was kind of like they ended up with this question of like what if I wasn't supposed to be a mother, and I didn't find that out till I had a child. And I think this is like the author, like uh, dealing with that question. But there's monsters and other things happening. Um, but I, I did you into I got to the end of the book, and I had the same. And because it's about motherhood, I had just this like experience of being like, "What happened? What is going on? What is real? Like, what is not real? Like, where, where, where are they going?" Not in a because not because there's like underlying religious themes, but it really reminded me of the movie mother <laughs> um with Jennifer Lawrence because it's about this like house and things I don't know it was something about the motherhood part of it, so very menacing the The illustrations is all in black and white, but like very detailed there's a lot of like um of frames without actual dialogue but like onomatopoeia, like Rosalind the baby is like screaming across like whole pages. And um, it feels very menacing in like a illustration style once you get past the first few pages. Um, And I'm not a mother, but it did make me really think about this. Um, And I mean, to be fair, backed up my opinions about not being a mother um, because it is, (laughs) it's really bad in this book. (laughs) But um, that's because there's evil entities, so I'll say that. So that is uh, The Man Who Came Down the Attic Stairs by Celine Loop. It's interesting that the title is about Thomas, the husband, but really the – I mean, that is part of the thing. But he's – I just talked about the whole thing, and I hardly talk about Thomas, even though something came down from the attic, and maybe it wasn't Thomas, so. (laughs) Very nice. I read it right before bed, which is maybe, like, not a – I was like, oh. <laughs> just some visuals that will leave you with. And You're like, great. What? Sh- I gotta go look at TikTok now. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: great. Yeah. No so cannibalism curious. there. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm curious, just your mention of the movie Mother. Uh, what, it, what was? Oh my
0: God. It? Speaking of cannibalism, the movie Mother. Like, <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, Michelle, have you seen that movie? I haven't. It. It too.
1: Is that the I one with saw, the exclamation point?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I saw it in the theater, and I've never hated a movie I oh. saw in the theater as much. Like, I wanted to leave. Yeah. I hated oh. that. I was so, like, mad
0: the whole time
2: I was watching that
0: movie. Because it is – yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I also saw it in the theater and had generally the same, like – Angry. You're just, like, angry about it. Like, I'm angry on, like, a –
2: Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable.
0: You're, like, it's so – That movie is, like, feels so in your face because things are happening at such a weird rate. I I appreciate thinking about it. Like, I like thinking about that movie more post and, like, what it, what is it about? Mm. What do I think it's about? Like, that is more interesting to me. Like, I will never watch Mother again. I don't know.
2: No. I would – Yeah, I would do so many things to not ever have to watch that movie again. I never want to see it again. Pretty sure I was very,
0: very angry.
2: Yeah, and I, I just I remember having like the most like visceral reaction. I feel like to a movie
0: ever watching that. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I didn't (laughs) hate this book when I read it. I'll say that I didn't have that (laughs) feeling at the end. It was more about like, yeah, I don't know the like in Mother, she's so disoriented, like. Because things are happening at you know, I don't know what what dimension are we in in that movie? I don't know, but like unhinged, yeah, it's unhinged unhinged is the perfect thing. Like things are happening at like this like rate that you're like, ah, I can't, I can't even do it. And so like in from. Emma's perspective in the graphic novel, like it's just that she has no sense of time because she's not sleeping. And there's like, the book gives you no sense of time. How long has the baby been around? You don't know because the baby has just been screaming for like two or three pages straight. So that's the sense I get. Not that like I wanted to like yell at a movie screen or whatever. (laughs) What's next?
1: Okay. So we're going to talk about zombies. Um, (laughs) yeah. Um, So when looking up horror comics and all this kind of stuff, I saw that Tilly Walden had one, and I absolutely adore Tilly Walden's artistry and storytelling methods and everything. I've read a couple of her other um, graphic novels, and I was like, give me it. Come to find out, it is actually a first book of the trilogy trilogy. so the book is Clementine uh, and it's book one of this trilogy that is set in the walking dead universe. And it is continuing the story uh, that began in the episodic video game series by telltale games. Um, So at first I was like, wait, can I get into this? But absolutely. You don't need to know much about Clementine's backstory. You don't need to know much about like necessarily how the walking dead started. You just know there are zombies. They call them walkers. And everyone wants to escape them and not die. (laughs) And so that's the society that we are in. It's sparse and all that kind of stuff. Um, So we first are starting our journey with Clementine. And she is on the road herself, by herself, um, and walking. Um, Another fact to know about Clementine is that she uh, does have uh, one of her legs is amputated. Um, So she is walking on a um, kind of homemade prosthesis um and so um she on this journey she meets these uh this uh, these Amish folks uh they take her in they help her she gets a little bit of a better prosthesis um and then it's back out on her journey but when she's on this journey there is a a fellow teenager Amos that is on his uh mission to go north to this abandoned ski resort in Vermont where uh he's told um you know, he's uh, going to help them build their homestead there. And then he gets to fly on a plane back to his, uh, to wherever he would like to go. Um, and he's very excited uh, about the possibility of going on a plane. Um, and so Clementine kind of reluctantly goes with him because she also feels like she needs to protect this very naive <laughs> young man. Um, and so um, they end up in Vermont. Uh, there are three other uh girls there again all teenagers and they are then they start trying to build this um homestead like farm and all this kind of stuff all these different buildings with the uh sparse resources and also a very a lot of cold (laughs) it is the north it's the mountains um the the wind blows their roof off after they have just nailed it down and all of this kind of stuff um but of course that can't just be the only story is that they're like, you know, trying to beat the odds against the winter. Um, however, the colder it is, is it uh, a slightly safer place to be away from the walkers. Cause they don't want to get cold themselves. Um, so they start on this task and everything. Um, but essentially you're going to find out like, can everybody trust each other? Um, is everybody there for why they say they are there? Um, uh, which is kind of a classic story trope in a way, but uh, the way that it plays out with everybody is uh, very intriguing. And like I said, Walden's storytelling is award winning, literally. Um, and so she's helping us explore the unique perspective of a generation who has been raised on a view that trust and cooperation are liabilities. They're not necessarily good traits for people to have. So there's a lot of like mistrust in this little community that they are building. She also meditates on the difference between striving for survival and leading a life worth living. Um, So some different values and morals at work here. Um, And of course, great character development and that unique perspective um, that if you're a fan of the walking dead, you might be into it. If you just kind of like zombie stories, because You're going to see some zombie death (laughs) early on in the book. And also, it's very casual. Like, they're just riding on their little buggy. And then it's like, oh, there's a walker. Let's take a minute and just stab, stab, stab. All right, get back on the buggy. Here we go again. Um, That was just like, oh, okay. Uh, But it is all in black and white, which is also kind of a classic of Tilly Walden's art style, uh, where it's a little more muted um, and that kind of thing. So if you're into that, which I yeah um check it out clementine by Tilly walden uh
2: my last recommendation is a graphic novel called boy's weekend by maddie lubchansky they did both the words and the art for this one and this kind of couldn't be more different from the other book that i uh spoke about for the episode this one has like very like uh kind of classically cartoony art almost it's like daria meets like 90s nickelodeon kind of art style so it's very like blocky and um like very like yeah very like kind of classically like animated sort of style so um yeah super different from uh the other book this one also is a much more of a straightforward like like story it has like a your the readers are left are not left to kind of fill in the blanks nearly as much um, with this one. So in this story, the boys weekend is a bachelor's part bachelor party. That is uh, our main character named Sammy has been invited to Sammy. However, transitioned two years ago from a he to a she. Um, And even though it's been a bit, their best friend is who's the one that's getting married. he, He still like is really struggling to get her identity. Right. And he asks Sammy to be, the best man at his wedding. Um, and Sammy ag- agrees to this. Cause she's still like, she's still friends with this person, but like, you know, there's a lot that they need to kind of unpack. here. <laughs> there's a lot of conversations they need to have to like restore the health of their, their friendship. So um, they're going to go on his bachelor's weekend trip together with a few of um, Adam, I believe was is his, his name, like with a few of his other uh, sis friends. Um, and this, this, set in like a dystopian world it's like just near future enough to be like you know like haha that's crazy but also like oh haha that's like entirely plausible and terrifying um so they're going to this like nearly lawless floating city it's like floating on like a a garbage island it's called El Campo uh it's clearly inspired by Las Vegas and once you're there uh you can do all kinds of like near future Vegas e-things like hunt your own clone or get drunk in a submarine um, and there's also a cult-like convention of like these crypto bros that's happening at the same hotel they're at over the same weekend um, there are a lot of like little like visual gags throughout so even though like the um the 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 art isn't like hyper detailed and like it's kind of general approach like there's little things in, in all of the panels that like clue you in into what kind of like kind of like what kind of sad worlds that you're the people are living in now like you get like weight reach like uh restrictions on all kinds of different things for people like just all these invasive things where people are taking your blood or like scanning different par- like just like lots of very like kind of frightening future tech sort of scenarios um but it's uh so that but that uh, illustration style is also a really fun contrast to the subject matter so the story it's fast-paced it's darkly funny and there's a lot of social critique in it too and i'd say this is like light horror so what happens to make it a horror story is like not just all of the like micro and like some like macro aggressions that sammy faces from this group of dudes who are not accepting her identity. Um, The, the crypto bro convention kind of becomes a bigger and bigger part of the story. Um, And Sammy's the only one that notices that like, something isn't right with these dudes. Like more and more of them are like one (laughs) telltale sign is these these like sporty fleece vests that uh, some people start wearing. And some of the people in Sammy's group start wearing these vests and they start acting like they're not, not themselves. Um, And the crypto bros start to get pretty violently murdered in a cosmic horror twist. And Sammy has to decide if these people are worth saving or not. Um. So it's a nice mix of like it's like a that sounds kind of heavy, but I did think it was a pretty lighthearted, like and funny, charming read. Like there are like some scenes of some gross body stuff and some monsters, kind of like some Lovecraftian monsters show up. Um. Uh. But yeah, I felt and maybe because I read this after I read the other graphic novel that I was like, oh, this is like, this is for children. This is easy. (laughs) Um, But it is like also a very like um, thoughtful and very sweet book. Like there's some really touching conversations between Sammy and uh, Adam, her, her best friend who um, is struggling to uh, see her for who she really is. So it is like a nice mix of like some hearts and also some like kind of gross out horror, weird, Cosmic Monster stuff. So uh, that's Boys Weekend by Maddie Luchanski.
0: This is one of those covers that I've seen so many times but had no idea what it was or what it was about, but I did put it on hold.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if you read it, I'm curious what you
0: think for sure. Michelle, do you have one more? No? Okay. I had started a third and then I, I mean, I'm pretty into it. I'll probably finish it, but I was like a third or halfway through last night and then I was like, this is a child's graphic novel, which is fine. But also I was right. like, creep. I mean, like, I don't know. It had elements that I was, that could, like, I was like, this is, could definitely be for adults. And then I turned it over and I was like, oh, this is for children. <laughs> was it, was it Mary yeah. Daryl Hawn?
1: Yeah. Cause she's written
0: some creepy. Took, like, like And I do, so.
2: Yeah. I, I, I remember reading Wait Till Helen Comes when I was a child. And yeah. that book like I I loved it but it terrified me.
0: <laughs> I picked it up cuz it mentions Bloody Bones, which is a a scary story that I grew up with. I mean, and I was just googling cuz so I was like I've I've done like Google searches on Bloody Bones before cuz I was like where is that story? Bloody Bones is like a boogeyman character that's like I don't know. 500 years old, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um oh. But I'm always – it's one of the, like, things that we would tell around – I mean, I think there's many different versions of Bloody Bones, but we would tell that story – we would tell a Bloody Bones story around the campfire, and it is still haunting my childhood or whatever. And so Bloody Bone, a Bloody Bones is a character in the one that I was reading, but apparently it's for kids and not supposed to be that scary for
2: me. But it I've never heard of Bloody Bones before. <laughs> Me either. To meet for
0: us, bloody bones. I imagine bloody bones for us was like I imagined him as like a. I guess you didn't actually see him. It was just you knew about bloody bones, and you could hear him like dragging things. And so I just have visuals of my mom at campfires being like, "Bloody bones, bloody bones." I mean, I'm like five, and. We would tell these stories around the campfire. And one time we'd been telling a bloody bone story. And my dad, I can't, I'm not going to, I'll never forget my brother for this too. Like, they're like, let's take a walk down. We lived on the country. They're like, let's take a walk down the path along our lake. And they left me. In the dark, after telling me a Bloody Bones story, and I, like, screamed at my lungs and ran back to the house, and I still remember that, because it's really mean to do to a child. Oh boy. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Erin.
0: <laughs> no. But, I mean, Bloody Bones is – I think I asked my mom, do you remember Bloody Bones? She was like, no. And I was like, you used to tell me this all the time. <laughs> but apparently it's a very real or very old story or very old character. Um – Cool. Okay. Well, let's talk about Query of the Week. It is fall. It is spooky season. We're a week or so. This drops – this is our last episode before Halloween. Let's say that. So the question this week is, um, what's your favorite fall or Halloween tradition? Anna. Nice. I don't have any real Halloween traditions,
2: but I do like – Food is kind of a central theme of my life. <laughs> very like something I'm very focused on pretty much at all times. Uh, so uh, when it, when it starts to get cooler, I feel like, that um have you guys seen the George Costanza from Seinfeld meme where it just is a screenshot of him saying, I'm shup- I'm shifting into soup mode. He's in line yeah. for the soup Nazi episode. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I do every fall. I shift into soup mode. <laughs> like I love there. like all kinds of soups. I love like cooking a giant pot of something and being able to eat it multiple days. Um yeah, so I like I get into some soup pretty hard. That's my uh, my Not fall that. tradition is I s- start eating soup for months on end. It's great.
1: Okay. So um, no surprise to you guys. And now I'm also trying to remember. It's like how often have I talked about it here on the podcast? But a uh, little child and I <laughs> love Spirit Halloween. Uh, the Halloween store. Discovered it last year and obsessed with it. Go all the time. And then they had to just put one right by like near near where we live and everything. So we go – multiple days and the staff know us um, which is kind of fun but (laughs) um, but it's also just really cute like going every time and just seeing what's been added but lately now that we're in October what's been going away and so it's just kind of a interesting conversation um, with the child about like it's Halloween time but it's not trick-or-treat day Um, and all this other kind of stuff that goes along with like you know, the changing of the seasons and that type of thing. But um, he loves looking at those animatronics. He is not scared by them. Um, But uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, But I also realized the other night, I love candles. I really love candles, but I don't do a lot of candles except for the fall. Um, And so I love getting them out. Seeing them glow from across the room and everything, it's really nice. Is
2: is McKinnon going to be okay when Spirit Halloween's closed for the year? Is, is he going to make it? Last
1: year, November was so hard. Telling him, like, it's not there anymore. Like, it's, it's, it is gone. Like, it's just oh, not there anymore. And so we had to go and, like, see that it was <laughs> gone. Which, by the way, he's also – I've tried the mom – the mom lie, you know, where it's like, oh, I think it's closed. Um, Like, lately, like, when I'm just like, I, we're not going. He's like, well, can we drive by and see, <laughs> sir? <laughs> no, we cannot smart. just go drive by He's and see. <laughs> that. I, right? Oh, man. Yeah. But going to all the spooky stores, we also went to Party City this weekend, and I was amazed at all the stuff Party mm-hmm. City had. They are not holding out and stay with Lowe's mm-hmm. and the Home Depot. So,
0: Check them all out just for fun, guys. It's like a park <laughs> for adults, too. I feel like I'm not going to be okay if McKinnon grows out of this. If, like, he hits seven and he's like, nah, I'm going to be real sad about it. Yeah. <laughs> that That's is true. so
1: true. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Well, I guess along the same line, McKinnon and I have the same soul. I think um,
1: <laughs> it's my
0: yeah favorite uh like tradition of this i love to decorate my house for halloween and um i have a big fence so i have a lot i have a big canvas to decorate with i do lots of spiders i do hanging witch hats and um for halloween halloween the day of halloween i put out more because there's things like uh, my tombstones and stuff will usually fly away in the fall um this week i made a i have to work on halloween and and because of dogs, I sometimes either have to sit on the porch with the candy or I put candy out and let the kids just grab it. And I have a giant cauldron. And so this year I had seen this craft of like taking clear ornaments and like making them into bubbles on top of like around your cauldron and then like uh, twinkle lights. So uh-huh. I made this, this massive cauldron that will look like it's bubbling and then the candy will be in the middle. But I also have been talking to everybody about how like – my neighborhood is not super trick or treat land. And so I was like, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start giving out like full size candy because there's not a ton of trick or treaters. And I was like, explain this to people. And I was like, I literally feel like a witch who's like, come to my house, children. You're setting traps. I've i literally even talked about this plan of like my goal is to over years to get kids to know to come to my house to get the candy. And I was like, That's what witches do. <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: Yes, well, we'll we'll monitor your, your your progress, and if it gets too out of hand, we will yeah. we'll stage an intervention. But I think you're in just fine. Shape I just want to give so them full size candy bars. <laughs> no, you just want to be a sweet neighbor, like yeah. But uh, a neighbor that lures children <laughs> to their home to the dark <laughs> end of the
1: neighborhood, <laughs> giant spiders.
0: <laughs> That's me. Oh, my gosh. We do have a list of responses, but I forgot to get them. So hang on real quick.
2: Your your cauldron sounds amazing. And I want to see uh, a picture of that. It sounds really cool.
0: Okay. So cool. we had some listeners sent us in their Halloween and fall traditions. So, Anna, what do you got? Uh, So
2: Jessica has a tradition of chili for dinner on Halloween, which is pretty sweet. It's nice. Um. That's And then an anonymous person says that they have to have a caramel apple for it to officially feel like fall. Legit.
1: Uh, David says, the Halloween party. I love the idea of getting together with a bunch of other adults, dressing up in costumes and having drinks while listening to the Misfits, the Cramps and Oingo Boingo. (laughs) Sounds fun and angeline says making sugar cookies and decorating them with the royal at icing and watching the adams family i love that mm-hmm. it's like a little flip on but we would think for the season that's coming up but yeah decorate your your back cookies
2: or whatever angeline is an amazing baker oh, also cool. so like oh, yeah, yeah she makes yeah. like oh, nice uh, yeah, like bakery quality goods she, or she brings Ooh. into the branch. It's remarkable, yeah. Uh,
0: another anonymous says, getting apples from uh, Nebraska City. And then Eric says, full core films after Sawin Bonfire and celebrating All Saints Day Mass the next day, which I like that. It's very nice. Um, cool. Thank you to everybody who shared with us. I guess watch OPL social media on Fridays um, for upcoming episodes and queries, and we will drop all the titles we talked about and everything in our episode list. Um, we hope you have a great end of spooky season and to the next season the next foods the food season i feel like the next season is the food, it is season. The food season it's food time yeah that's yes. food. Yeah. Uh, yeah and that's our episode thanks for joining us on the book drop happy halloween or what we should
1: do can we do a witch cackle
2: <laughs> oh my god that was so crazy oh, that was great
0: The Book Drop is produced by Omaha Public Library. Our special theme music this week is Skeleton Dance by Mew. Don't forget to subscribe to The Book Drop on your favorite podcast app and like and follow Omaha Public Library on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time on The Book Drop.